Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Score what was it 68-54, something like that, 68-56. Um, what'd you think? Uh, I mean, a good win, went on the road in conference, always good, but I thought Maryland came out and was pretty listless. Uh, there was just nothing there, no intensity, no effort, really. Uh, things were pretty easy, but you know, you go and winning by 14 15, that's a good win on the road. You know, Indiana started out in an eight nothing deficit, and I wrote down because I take notes during these games, eight nothing, not worried. Because they got entries in to race, uh, or trace uh, Jackson Davis without any kind of defensive disruption. They got the shots they wanted. Indiana just didn't hit them. Indiana, I thought, was active defensively, but allowed a couple of you know shots that Maryland knocked down. And then they couldn't sustain that. Indiana was just a better team today because, like you said, they were more active. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Activity yields a positive result. Yeah, energy I mean, you bring energy, that's a lot of the game of basketball is just energy. I mean, you can be in the wrong spot sometimes, and as long as you're playing hard and working, you end up doing good things and being in the right spot. No Rob Finnessy, no problem. Christian Lander looked pretty good. Did, in the, in the second half, came in. I, I think him getting minutes is going to be very beneficial, maybe not necessarily this year, but looking ahead to next year when they're going to need him to play a lot uh, based on what the roster looks like. I don't know if they have anyone coming in next year who's a you know a point guard who you know might might start for him I don't know maybe a transfer but he's going to need to play big minutes and I think this is good for him he didn't hurt him defensively and then he knocked down a three he got that bucket uh, Galloway I don't know who number five is for Maryland but he ought to be ashamed of himself not against Trey Galloway but you let him get to the tin and flush it in your face, that is a problem. Yeah, that happened twice to him. <laughs> once on a fast break where he just kind of... I think Wait, he thought, salt in his wounds. You know, well, I think he thought once he was going to throw an alley-oop to Jackson Davis yeah. as he was running, and he just didn't went up and flushed it with two. Whoops. And then zero help side defense. Uh, they, like, took a step yeah. forward and then back. Like, I don't want to get in, in, in yeah. this. We're losing. I don't want that. He, he didn't want to... Who's the kid at Muncie Central who always got posterized by Greg Oden? Oh, jeez. Peckinpah? Yeah, Peckinpah. He nice. didn't want to get Peckinpah. Nice. You know, that, that was... What was that, 15 years ago? 16 was... years ago. And still, getting posterized to me is getting Peckinpah. Uh, that's a shame. So, <laughs> that's just the way it is. The great Ben Botts had a first-hand look at all of that. So Trace Jackson Davis, 17-9. and Race Thompson, 18-12. and Although late, there were some guys trying to poach rebounds from Race Thompson. You can't like that. No, and, and I think Race Thompson <laughs> needs to have a talk with, uh, with Real. Uh, that's, that's grounds for something to happen on the bus ride to yeah. the airport or whatever's happening. Because you can't steal a... If you're no. a guard, like you, you don't get a whole lot of run. You, you can't steal a rebound from a guy who's working to get double-doubles. That's, that's unheard of. Did you ever do that at Loyola to Andy Polka? Uh, no, because <laughs> I'd have been... I'd have been crumpled up into a little ball and put in a box. Hey, speaking of crumpled up, we had the uh, the Fats Russell guy hurt his wrist. And so you're watching the game, and Fats hurts his wrist, and you put your head down when they showed a replay of, uh, of Rob Finnessy, although it, it didn't look like much. Still, you don't want to look. 
Why is it that you don't want to see any injury, especially those you might have had before? Uh, I just don't like the things happening to a human body that shouldn't happen. But you know, yeah. it's stuff that's happened to you. Generally, oh yeah, right? well yeah. Like well, you hate watching a guy roll his ankle. Well, I thought I thought that uh, Russell dislocated a finger. That's what I thought. And you and, had that ad. Yeah, and I, I always remember holding up my hand and seeing a finger pointing in a, that direction. Not good. So that's that's my not good bugaboo. You know, it's a bugaboo. You you don't like the rolled ankles. You don't like the dislocated fingers. So Indiana's got a week off. How important is it to have a week off, especially when you've had a couple of pretty good wins? I mean, they get the win uh, midweek this past week to kind of get back on the beam. Now they went on the road against Maryland, and things are looking pretty good at 7-4 and four in the Big Ten. Do you feel good about them having a week off to kind of recalibrate, or would you rather just keep rolling through this positive period? I think it's good to have this little bit of time, middle of season, middle of the conference season especially, and looking forward to the schedule they have coming up with Michigan State and Wisconsin, Ohio State. I think Illinois is in there. Uh, I think you, uh, a week off is great to work on some stuff. I have a feeling that after they get back, there's going to be a day off, and then there's going to be two very hard practices where they're not going to let these guys rest on winning a couple games against you know, Maryland and Penn State, two not great teams, but you handled them. I think you need to reinforce the good stuff that you guys need to do to continue on with, with these kind of victories. You've got Coburn as the guy you kind of have to focus some attention on with Illinois next Saturday at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Michael Durr hasn't played the last two games. I assume that this is a coach's decision as it was early in the, earlier in the week for Durr not to play. Durr is going to give you, hopefully he's back on the floor and gives you you know really good minutes against a guy uh, like Coburn, right? Yeah, to expect Trace... To, to play 40 minutes uh, against a guy, another guy who's a, you know an All-American And that's a bad candidate. matchup. Coburn and Davis, that's a bad matchup for Davis, or Jackson Davis on the defensive end, right? I think so, and it's also a, 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 maybe the only guy in the Big Ten who you can just, if you're Illinois, you can say you're going one-on-one, and we're going to, we like, we maybe we like our chances, and we can just spread out and make someone else beat us. Uh, I, you know, so I, 40 minutes of, of Davis against Coburn, not a huge fan. Hopefully you can take advantage of some other matchups, maybe with race, get him in the post a little more often. I've loved the way they've gotten Jackson Davis in the post. Yeah. And I think they're going to need to do that. No static post-ups for, for Davis, which I think they did a lot early in the year. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting a lot of rub screens. You saw it with Galloway where he didn't even need to drop step to get a dunk. Little down screen, curled off of it, gave him a pass right off it. I think it's great, and I, I love the way they're getting him in the post. Well, I, I, I was really surprised that Manning decided not to double Jackson Davis, really, at any point. At least what some teams do when Jackson Davis catches down on the block, they'll run a guy to the weak side, is the side away from which Jackson usually spins to the rim. And, and kind of swipe the ball loose. You didn't even get that from Maryland today. I thought they were ill-prepared for this game, and I thought the effort was awful. Yeah, I was just about to say it looked like they hadn't scouted. He spun, Jackson Davis spun over his right shoulder constantly, and not just to get to little bunny hooks or the stuff that he does, but to, for dunks. I mean, easy flushes for him, which, again, you're going up against Illinois, that's, that's not going to happen. Right. Coburn's not going to let that happen. So, and that's why I think you're going to have some hard practices coming up, reinforce that things aren't going to be this easy. I don't even know if I'd watch film of this game. 
just because everything came so easily, and that's not going to be what's going to happen moving forward. I think it's fascinating. Basketball, we keep talking about effort, but it, it is a game of effort, and if you have good effort on a day where your opponent has bad effort, it almost doesn't matter how good they are and how maybe mediocre you are. You're going to run them out of the gym, and and that's a little bit like Indiana with Purdue. Indiana didn't play well against, or played really well against Purdue, and Purdue didn't play so well despite the. And I thought we haven't talked about this game too much, you and I, but the Indiana Purdue game is really interesting to me because Jackson Davis got in foul trouble and was in foul trouble throughout the game, so Durr had to play, and I thought that Durr was a better matchup against Edie and Williams than Jackson Davis would have been. I thought that that actually helped Indiana. Yeah, and it, I mean, Jackson Davis is more of a finesse post guy. He's not a, a big bruiser of a guy, and I think Durr is kind of more of a bruiser guy, um, at least on the defensive end. On the offensive end, I don't, I don't think he's much of a, a, a bruiser. He's not a guy who's going to take dribbles and pound you home, but he can hit a nice no. jumper. He's a good um, mid-range guy, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, hopefully Durr's back. And you can throw him at Coburn for a little bit, maybe wear him out on the him playing offense a little bit, give him, shove him around, get get some fouls, and, and loosen him up for Davis a little bit. But other than Durr, I, I don't see guys who are going to give him a physical matchup. No, Duncan isn't that kind of guy. No. And, you know, it, they pulled him back. The, the poor guy felt terrible for the parents because it's like Logan go, and then Logan's at the scorers table, and Maryland goes on a mini run. With about two minutes left, it was like, Logan, get get your ass back here. You're not going in the game. And then he did go in the game about a minute later. I always feel bad for the parents in that situation. That's kind of like your bugaboo with the injuries. I always see basketball through parental you know, eyes like, hey, he's getting in. Wait, what? Wetzel! Wetzel! You know? And, and at Loyola, there weren't 17,000 people at the game, so... He, you could hear me. You could hear, yeah. So what are you going to do? Um, so anyway, Indiana, to me, continues to evolve positively. Like you watch a guy like Geronimo who is taken out of the game and, and sat his ass down for the rest of the game after he failed to close out. You could see better effort from him today. It's like these guys are being held accountable and they're playing better. Go figure. Yeah, right. And I mean, that's what you got 18 to 22 year olds, some maybe 23 year olds out there now because of the, the year you get. But yeah, I mean, that's what you need to have. You need to have some. You have any eligibility people. left with a COVID year? I think you could come back and play a little basketball. Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'd no. be something. It, it would, yeah. Go it, play for Witzel up at Buffalo. How yikes. about that? Yikes, that would be terrible. <laughs> he almost ran himself dry at timeouts last night with more than 10 minutes left in the game. Ah, Jim Weitzel, God bless him. Um, so Indiana continues to find ways to get better. What does Indiana have to do to close the gap on the elite teams in the Big Ten? Is it impossible? Is it just like the talent gap is too severe, or can they get there from here? You can get there. I mean, you beat Purdue. You, you had Wisconsin down 20 in the first half. Granted, they started playing like Wisconsin plays yeah. and, and laid the Woody in the second half. But, I mean, still you showed that you can hang with Wisconsin at Wisconsin. You beat Ohio State. Uh, so I, yeah. I think you're, this is a good basketball team. And I think defensively they've been there for most of the year. If they continue to evolve on offense, continue to find creative ways to get Trace Jackson Davis in the post, that, that not static, again, static post-ups are not going to yield the type of offensive benefit that you're going to need moving forward and into hopefully the NCAA tournament. I, you know, I think 
they, they, they're getting there. And I think it, a lot of it, and they said it during the game, and I'm not usually a fan of this, but I do think a lot of new guys, new coach, new system, I think guys are getting comfortable. They're starting to figure out what these guys can do on offense, and I think it's starting to work a little. I think it's kind of interesting in that it seems to me that Indiana, and you kind of alluded to it, that they're running new action at this point of the season, and I didn't see that with Archie Miller much. I didn't see, you know, an evolution of the offense schematically, and I think that we are with Woodson. I like that. Yeah, I do too. And I, I really, I, I can't say enough about it. Uh, from early in the year, I think when I was doing one of these, we talked after uh, uh, one of the non-conference games, and it's, you know, I don't know if it was because they were playing lower competition, they didn't bring out everything, or they hadn't put everything in or installed what they needed, but it looks like they have. Um, and I thought there was some really good action today. Again, Maryland not active defensively, but you still have to run yourself, still have to run your stuff and run it right. And I think they did, and I think they're getting crisper with it. And I think Xavier Johnson is getting far more comfortable yeah. with how things are working. And uh, maybe he's getting a little bit more freedom. He's earned a little bit more trust through this, and hopefully he continues to earn it and doesn't revert back to kind of early season that we were we were getting before. So You know, that's kind of an interesting point because turnover-wise, they had 10 turnovers today, and that's okay. You know, and, and Xavier Johnson had uh, – one, two, two of them. Yep. That's okay. You can live with that. And it doesn't look like he's trying to force it, you know, force the issue. When, when a, this is going to sound terrible, but when a mediocre player, and by mediocre, I mean not, he's not an elite level player. He's not a guy, he's not Jaden Ivey. He's not a guy who, who's going to, you know, be a first team all Big Ten guy. If he leads you in scoring, just like when he was at Pitt, Pitt's going to suck. If Xavier Johnson is your best player, if he plays within himself and focuses his attention on making everybody else better, this has a chance. He has a chance to be a force for good, and this has a chance to be a pretty damn good team. Hey, let me ask you about this. Talk about that if you want. But I love Geronimo continuing to develop in the way that he has. He made a mistake today, effort-wise, but they're fewer and farther between. Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with Geronimo. Uh, I think he's making, uh, there's some smart basketball decisions that are going on. He, he makes the right cuts on offense. He's very nifty at getting to that elbow, getting to that yeah. little short elbow spot and trying to knock down a jumper. Uh, he did that a few times. I think I saw him do it against Nebraska a lot when they needed buckets. He scored, I think he had two big buckets in that game that kind of stymied some runs. Uh, he did it today, didn't go in, but I love it. I, the corner three he took, great. Um, yeah, missed, but fine. Good shot. And Take defensively, shot. Yep. you know, I think for whatever reason, he still sneaks up on people defensively and blocks shots that I don't understand why people take them with him around because yeah. he's going to block that shot. And But I think offensive rebounding, excellent. He's a guy, he's exactly the type of guy who can elevate you from coming off the bench, elevate you from being a middle-tier Big Ten team to being not necessarily elite, but in that upper-tier and you can win some games in the Big Ten Conference Tournament and the NCAA Tournament because of plays that he might make. Let me ask you this. This is completely away from Indiana basketball, but I think it's really interesting because Robbie Hummel has become a really good analyst, right? He was in your class. Mm-hmm. You played against him back all the way to fourth grade, and, and it, it hit a shot over him, <laughs> and over time in the Hall of Fame Classic, which was outstanding and excellent. However, you, you've also got guys like Ben Botts, who I uh, talked about, 
John Ashworth, Zach Hahn, all those guys in coaching, Nate Blank in coaching. You know, you, Kyle Miller, uh, could be a coach. Joe Hughes, uh, a very successful business guy. Same thing with Matt Howard. A lot of guys in that class either played basketball at a high level or can really explain it well and think about it in a smart way. Why is it that the guys in the class of the, in the 2007 high school class in Indiana are really, really smart about basketball? Uh, we must just be accepting smart <laughs> individuals. No, well, I, no, I don't know. I mean, it, you were it, well coached as yeah, a kid. I mean, Mike I, Miller I think, was terrific teaching the game. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of it. Is at a young age we were taught basketball very, very well, and we we understand what we're doing. We were not overcoached in, in the sense that we were kind of allowed. It to, wasn't choreographed. No, you we got were to kind play. of allowed to form our own abilities and our own thoughts about how to play and uh, movements, and you know we were put in good positions. And I can't speak to you know Robbie or um, his coaching because I never played on the same team as he did, so I, I can't speak to that. But everyone else that we were around got got coached by some excellent, excellent basketball coaches, some great youth coaches. I mean, we had uh, Travis Steele, right, was yeah, one of our right. assistants our first year, and he's, I mean, he's the head coach at Xavier. Um, so, I mean, we just had some excellent tutelage, and I think we were receptive of it, and that was something that was said on the, on the uh, broadcast today about accepting lessons from yeah, coaches. Listening. And listening. Right. Yeah, Jim Jackson was talking to Woodson. And I think that's Woodson. a large part yeah. of it is if you talk to a lot of those guys, they're all, not only can they speak about basketball very well, but they're also very good listeners and accept the information and can process it and, and are very good about that. You know who else was a really, really good coach? And we'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him. It, of guys in your class, Jeff Teague and Philip Collins and those guys in particular, is Gary Betts. Mm-hmm. Gary yeah. Betts could flat coach. Yeah. And I never saw him coach, be a head coach in high school. I I would have hired that guy in a minute to coach to coach a team. You know what I mean? Just a really, really smart basketball coach and and a guy who who taught the game and cared about the game and cared about the kids. Well, and I think that's the second part of it is we were coached by people who cared yeah. about our abilities. They weren't coaching because they wanted something for themselves. It was they gave their time to coach and they did it for a particular reason. They didn't need to do it. They enjoyed doing it and wanted to do it. And I think that's a huge part of it as well. That's what you got to be. And you had parents who stayed the hell out of the way. So parents of youth basketball players stayed the hell out of the way. Didn't we stay out of the way? I'm not kidding around. No. Yeah. Yeah. Stan Howard, Marty Blank, Mike Miller. We stayed out of the, we didn't try to correct Pat Mullen and Tom O'Brien or I never tried to correct Mike Miller. They knew more about basket, right? Right. No. <laughs> Scott Hicks at the high school yeah. level. Let Scott coach. I didn't even know the names of your junior high coaches. And who's a bigger busybody than me? <laughs> that's, that's, true. that's a hell of a question. All right. Thank you, Ryan, as always. So wonderful, wonderful of you to lend your insight for free. We, we enjoy the, uh, the gratis work that you do on, uh, on the behalf of educating. Fans in Indiana about the great game of basketball. Thanks, Bob. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you uh, Monday morning, Breakfast with Kent. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Ring the bell. Let's go. You kidding me? Is what we do.